0: This is Artist Stories, a podcast that centers experiences of artists whose lives have left a lasting impact on Southern Arizona. I'm Janae Sanchez, and today we welcome Nazafarin Latfi. Nazafarin, thank you so much for being with me today on Artist Stories.
1: Thank you. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Absolutely. And if you could tell us who you are and talk about your connection to the Southwest.
1: My name is Naza Farin and I am an artist. I'm a visual artist and I was born and raised in Iran and I moved to Chicago for education, for grad school. And then in 2017, I moved to Tucson because my partner got a job, a teaching position at the university, and I relocated with him to Tucson.
0: Mm, amazing, amazing. So I know you grew up in post revolutionary Iran. Can you talk about just some of your experiences as a young person with an artist inside her growing up in that environment?
1: I didn't see much contemporary art growing up, but instead I was exposed to material culture through architecture, through craft, through anthropology museums. And Iran is a very old place. And I was born and raised in Eastern Iran, bordering with Afghanistan. And that area is really old. And you see a lot of archeological sites and ruins of old cities, ancient sites. And that was sort of my introduction into imagination, into material, to architecture and art. So that was what I knew of the possibilities of art, but I really didn't see much contemporary art until I went to college. Um at the University of Tehran, then there is a Museum of Contemporary Art in Tehran, but it wasn't really updated.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, Iran is a very isolated place and um like we didn't have like the gallery culture or the museum culture as you see in like big cities in the United States. Like Tehran is a huge city with like millions of people. But And now it's very different than early 2000s when I went to college, but back then there were just really few opportunities to be exposed to art. Uh, there was a lot of underground events that happened, but really like, again, isolated uh, and internal conversation between artists who were active.
0: Mm -hmm. You had to be in the know, you had to be in those circles to find out about the underground shows. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do you remember a moment when you thought about, okay, I want to bring these ideas to life, this imagination into the material world? I started painting at a young
1: age, drawing mostly. I think when I was nine or 10, I was taking some drawing classes. My mom liked art and my uncle did some painting. So there was like, there were some people in the family who were hobbyists in art, but not very even seriously. So I took art classes because of that, uh, because my mom was interested. But later on, I think in high school, at some point, I realized that I did not want to continue doing science. I uh, I was in math. Um, so in Iran, in high school, you decide if you want to do biology, math, mm-hmm. or literature, humanities, or art. There are like four areas that you can choose. And I was a math major, and I loved math. But at some point, I realized I did not want to continue math. And I was looking for an alternative lifestyle, an alternative career path, less so career. In Iran, we didn't think about careers the way people do in America. Back then, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, it was just not a part of the conversation, really. But I was interested in art because of my little exposure to drawing and painting. But also, art was the space that people who We're more liberated, more revolutionary, (laughs) occupied. So I really like that was like my entrance thinking between math and art. It was that like striving for a freer life, uh, a more aware life that pushed me into deciding on uh, going to art for the last year of high school before I did the entrance exam for college. It's a different educational system than Mm. the U.S.
0: Yeah, it seems like a a really young age to be 17, 18, and thinking about like a major, like before you graduate, right? Because in the US, you think about a major or a focus after you graduate. So that is something. Yes,
1: it's very early. Yes. And a lot of people make mistakes.
0: I love what you said about the way you decided to pursue the arts. It was really about the idea of being more free or liberated like a a different world a a way of thinking it sounds like you gravitated towards those people right that were making art in in that moment not really because i didn't know any artists
1: no one it was maybe like some people some characters in the books i had read or it was the idea more than the reality of i knew someone And I wanted to become that. No, I don't think I, I actually think about this a lot that I didn't have any role models growing up Mm -hmm. and not just like a successful woman or an independent woman overall. Like I think people like my relatives or people like my teachers or um, people that my family hung out with, or for some reason we were around, like none of them had an exciting life that I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, I like that not really it was more of an idea and i think it was from the novels i was reading a lot of books and i i read a lot of fiction growing up and it was something that was like i had seen i i knew it existed you know i'd seen it in movies but not necessarily in my immediate surrounding and my hometown is a rather conservative city so there was no like gallery or like a spaces that like cool people hung out like i didn't or I, or if it was which it's totally possible. I had no idea. So it wasn't necessarily like someone who inspired me. It was more of an idea that, oh, like, if you if you want to change your life, yeah, artists are those people (laughs) do like, and it's like, in some way, I think it's a very different attitude towards art. In that time in Iran, it was a very different environment Mm -hmm. than like saying like, early 2000s in the US or somewhere else.
0: Yeah and I I really connect with your experience because I you know I grew up in a border city, rural area here in southern Arizona and my first experience with galleries was in college as well. So for me, you know, leaving rural Arizona, the idea of what the arts could open up was so enticing. I didn't know about the world. It was only what I read or saw in movies. And I really connect with pursuing an idea. And you have made such cool spaces, those spaces that you imagined. You're actually doing that in Tucson. I think this is a great time to jump into the space that you have conceptualized and also made into a reality through the Hamra Arts Club. Can you tell us about this program and what are some of your like most exciting like moments through the process?
1: Yeah, so I started volunteering with a mentorship program for refugee status youth towards the end of lockdown, COVID. And mm-hmm. when the quarantine was over that we could do in-person programming, I started mentoring some youth from Syria and Afghanistan. And that gradually became a Hamroh Arts Club because I met some artists who had arrived here and they were looking for a community of like-minded artists and a mm-hmm. space to work and I thought this could become like a community of its own and since I didn't find a community of artists of that age for for the younger people I mean I thought we could just make it ourselves and uh, so from like January 2021 uh, that was like the beginning of like ga- the gatherings and we started making ma- meeting at mocha and education space. And it started as an open studio time that people could just work on their own projects. And we supplied paint, paint, brushes, canvases, paper. And then that gradually became a more structured program for the fall 2022, which was a two-month-long program with like workshops, visiting artists, Mm. uh, field trips. And then in the spring 2023, it took a different form um, uh, and it became like a tighter group of youth who are very smart and amazing kids. So we just finished our 10th week yesterday, actually. But there are like projects coming out of the group. So hamrah is an is is an evolving project. I still like debate or is this like what is this? Like, how is this? Like I understand like conceptually how it's an extension of everything that I do in my life, but uh, but also it's like it's taking different um forms. Like it was a it's a mentorship program, but it also is like becoming an art project, like. All of us together, our participation in each other's lives is becoming an art project, and we just started oral history project mm-hmm. collaborating with uh, KXCI and Stephanie. That we are doing interviews with uh, people who have had to leave home to pursue their futures in different places. In particularly looking at the migration from the global south to the global north, and thinking about how. Different stories of people from different places actually align with each other, regardless of the status, uh, immigrants, asylees, refugees. We are interested in creating these intersectional conversations, which I think it's something that we really miss in the broader conversation in the borderland about displacement, about migration, about the border. And I've been thinking about all these different border communities that we barely see or hear about And we don't have enough spaces for them to tell their stories and to figure out how they make sense in this new place, which is a very rich place on its own. It's a very politically, it's like a very (laughs) geographically and politically, it's very complicated and it has its own complex nuances and all the different communities who live here. And then we have all these other people coming to this place, And the issue of how we fit in is something that I've been thinking about personally on a personal level. And with this new community that I'm working with, this is something we discuss quite a
0: lot. Yeah, And the participants, the members of the club, are they mostly young women?
1: They are. uh, Yes, the club is not exclusive space for women. (laughs) However, Mm -hmm. most of our members are younger girls from Afghanistan and
0: Syria. In a border community where two countries come together and then two deserts come together, we have the Chihuahuan Desert and the Sonoran Desert. And we, we just in Southern Arizona, we border seven Native sovereign nations. And as you mentioned, refugees, asylum seekers, and immigrants from all over the world come here to this place. Like, why is this place almost like a center point to this conversation of of borders how we can reimagine borders why do you think tucson is so central to this conversation and this moment
1: i think you cannot avoid the the wall like literally like the wall is one hour from where i'm sitting right now and since the day i arrived here um i've Been aware of it until the day I went to visit the wall for the first time, which I was surprised how emotional that experience was for me. But I think literally, like being at the edge of the country, Mm -hmm. makes Tucson the place to have these conversations. At the same time, I think in the past five years that I've lived here, I've seen many exhibitions between San Diego, Los Angeles, Tucson, Phoenix, Santa Fe about borders. And I think and some of these exhibitions and conversations have been a lot more interesting than others, or they like, did a better job of including diverse voices. But something that I think maybe some of those platforms or conversations missed was really dismantling the very notion of the border. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think there's one thing to like think about the borderland identity and what it takes and what that means really, like living in the border and the crossing borders on daily basis that which i'm sure a lot of people do you just like drive coming to the city or leaving city because we are constantly crossing visible invisible borders but also like imagining a borderless world i think it's something else that should be part of our daily exercises too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: yes the imposed borders walls boundaries that are man-made have been in existence for really a sliver of the timeline of you know humanity being on this earth. I I also agree definitely needs that special attention that daily <laughs> rethinking. We've been here a long time and there there has to be more solutions, more creativity in thinking about how can we can exist without these boundaries or boundaries that aren't har- harming the bodies of people. Who have especially been here, and who are coming here for the very same reasons anybody wants to be safe. Uh, I know you came to Tucson in 2017, which it was the the year politics sort of like shifted. What was that like for you coming coming to this space at a contentious moment, especially for the borderlands?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, that tainted my experience with Southern Arizona. Coming Mm -hmm. here at the time that. Trump went to office and Muslim travel ban was very quickly instated. And then it was the time of caging children and family separation very close to here. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of when I think about, I mean, that's a f- the first thing that I always think about Arizona is that like Arizona is separation in some way. Arizona is exclusion in some way, as much as the landscape here is Familiar to me because it the mountains, just the brown desert. However, this desert is really green compared to the desert that I come from in eastern Iran. But but still, there are a lot of terrestrial familiarity for me, which was in some ways a homecoming, but in other ways it was a, a it was a very difficult time. And because my I mean I had like I have family members who are stuck in the immigration limbo. And this whole mess of the Trump administration really like has delayed a lot of people, has delayed a lot of waiting time and suspension for for many 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 people uh, across the board.
0: Wow, well, what a what an introduction to Arizona! Like we're we're still in this moment of of change and shift. I'm really happy that artists like you, who can expand the conversation of borders, is is here and making work. Would love to begin talking about just your work? What are you working on right now? Well, the truth is that I haven't been really
1: working recently in my studio because I've been very occupied with the current revolution in Iran. Yeah, that's a good difficult question for me to answer because I haven't started any new projects, but I'm packing up to go to a residency next week. And I have some like, I'm excited to actually have like a month to just focus on my work and um, sort of not get distracted by this permanent political crisis all over the world, particularly in my country, Iran. But I've been like busy doing more activist work and doing more organizing work in the past few months. But however, like, I think And that's something you asked me, what is your title? I told you just artist, because I've been called so many things. I've been called a human rights activist, refugee advocate, educator, founder of Hamra Arts Club. And I was like, yeah, I mean, sure, all of this is true. But really at the center of everything i do is this awareness of ha- is like, is the studio practice that grounds everything and this awareness of wanting to participate in the, in a meaningful way in the real life and that's also very true in my studio practice that is grounded in the reality of my life experience, but it takes a very different form and it's more of a conceptual exercise sometimes, or it's an abstraction from reality. For the past three years, I've been working on a project that Looks into the space of the garden as a utopian space, a desired space, and I've been very interested in the history of garden making, particularly in arid climates like Arizona or where I come from, because uh, the garden is that alternative space. The green space is an alternative to the harsh reality of the desert. Basically, that has been very fascinating, and I'm actually going to a residency at a garden foundation, Oka Spring Garden Foundation, to continue that work and. Think about plants and um, uh, their growth cycle and and my interest in garden has like a metaphoric twist, obviously. And the garden as a metaphor for nation is a very interesting space for me to, to imagine like the possibilities that the future can hold because so much of gardening is believing in the future. You put the seeds in the ground today and they might not come out for the next few years. So you have to really be committed. Mm-hmm. And that is in some way my my motto in the different projects I do, which I think it directly connects with Hamra arts club too which was about creating a space was about investing in younger people's lives and coaching them or mentoring them into these amazing people that they're gonna be and they already are but allowing them to flourish in a safe space and allow them to pursue their interests
0: mm-hmm. You're planting so many beautiful seeds and I just can't wait to see the garden, the fruits right of this garden you've already began to cultivate. I would love to get into a little more about a garden to build exhibition, which was at the University Galleries of Illinois State University. And I was really interested in the series, All Things That Grow and how in this photography project, but also It's like installation, it's performance for the camera. I know you insert objects in the landscape that you create out of papier-mâché, but also sometimes your body and this idea of horizontal.
1: Uh, So All Things That Grow is a series of 10 photographs. They're performative photographs that basically depict my body interacting with this papier-mâché object, as you mentioned, in different landscapes. So, there were basically two types of landscapes that I was interested in. And the whole series was shot in-, in San Antonio, Texas. One was the green pockets in the urban environment, and the other half was just serene land, like nature. Like uh, in the shot, you don't see any. Traces signs, of <laughs> yeah, any signs of this is like just literally outside of a city. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there are no cars, there are no buildings, so it really feels like it's like out there in in a far away place yeah in like nature in the desert or some of them are greener I've been very interested in in thinking about the notion of humanness like what it means to be a human but in relationship to non-human species so in one way I've been like studying plants and thinking about like spaces like gardens that are both architectural and also natural and in other way I've been thinking about other beings like the animal world and so that like the this when I took this sculpture I was very interested in thinking about the animate and inanimate body like Mm -hmm. that when they come together to form this new hybrid being what would that look like and it's a very playful project too and the paper mache form that I ended up using is a large sphere or it looks like a ball so it sort of suggests the playfulness but also it has all these other connotations from like the planet earth or the globe um or the seed there's so much potential in reading different meanings in that but i was interested in like uh playfully combine the form with my body parts or like to create those like this like new thing that is placed in unexpected landscapes you also asked about horizontality um so this the besides the photo series for that exhibition, I've been developing a new body of sculpture in the past few years. That is again like is it's like sort of imagining um, bodies, but like uh, but these bodies are like sort of between human body and non-human bodies, particularly those that live closer to the ground. Um, and I was interested in exploring the horizontal realm because of its um, non-monumentality and is the space that is sort of considered in in um, art history canon particularly in like three-dimensional world of like sculpture making or as um the inferior space the horizontal is the space that is uh, regarded as the one that is less important less powerful less potent Uh, this the reclining female statues the deceased the wounded the, the loser basically and um, the inferior gets to expand horizontally and the monumental hero grows vertically. And that has been very interesting to me to work with that and in some ways subvert and make the horizontal the space of possibility in, in a way with the sculptures.
0: Mm, that's incredibly beautiful. I really connect with that as well. And you know, I think just also the way uh, you are working in community and it's like this horizontality of community and listening and building together. It's like non-hierarchical. Your practice also is very horizontal in many ways as well.
1: Yeah, and thanks for bringing that up and noticing that because I do like think a lot about because I work alone in the studio and that's very important for me to have that solitude to really like get into the work and my work and especially my drawings are really introverted. But I've been always thinking about exactly practicing what I'm thinking uh, in the studio and like figuring out like formally with the with the visual work or with the sculptures but bringing them out into my life and it's also the other way like it's the, yeah I always say that I really don't think that there is like a distinction between art and life it's it's about like practicing that and activating those connections however like if someone looks at my work in a the gallery they're gonna be like oh like They're not going to really like get that immediately or know any of what I'm talking about. That's very much embedded in how I respond to things, how I start projects, how I make work. That connection is my work.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the values are represented in the artwork and their practice in real life. Yeah, and
1: uh, I think in so much of like, I mean, I have an MFA in
0: painting and I like
1: I've read a lot of books about art and contemporary art. And I think there is a lot of separation. That idea, um, sometimes I find find it my foreignness that wants to connect everything and remove (laughs) these borders because that's just not how I think. And that's not how I grew up. Like I never thought about art necessarily as a separate thing. Then you do your life and then you go to your studio and you suddenly make something that has nothing to do with you or with your daily experience. That idea of purity is sort of, bizarre to me that something can be so detached or disconnected from a life experience. Because again, I'm an an outsider everywhere I go, like I very much know there is no one universal read of anything because I always see things very differently. I think about that and I try to bring that into my work. However, if it's not legible for the audience, I don't think that's really important or it's not important for me uh, because I'm very interested in really extracting things and take them as far as I can from where they originate mm-hmm. and also then go back to origin and work very, very directly with the same idea but in a very different way. And then there's this whole spectrum of experiences
0: and new things that can happen. Right. That's beautiful. Well I would love to make some space. You know, we talked about, you know, your your mentor, you're you founded Camera club, but you must do this often. What advice do you have for emerging artists? And also, what would you tell your ten-year-old self? Oh, well, for emerging artists, I would
1: say that art is a lifestyle, and it's a long-term process, mm-hmm. and it's not an immediate result. Like, don't get stuck with one rejection, or don't get disappointed very quickly. Think about it as your this is your life it's not a year or two or or a graduate school or an undergraduate degree it's really about how you live your life and how you incorporate your art into it advice i would give to my 10 year old that's a more difficult one i don't know what i would tell myself Mm. yeah because i don't i mean at 10 i was in a very different world Mm. Uh, it feels so disconnected from where i am right now maybe I would tell myself that, that's just be happy and be kind to yourself and just enjoy and bring joy and pleasure and your seriousness and commitment all together
0: mm-hmm. well, I love that bring joy and be kind to yourself absolutely we need more of that how can our listeners find you and learn more about you
1: I, I have a website, it's nazafarinlotfi.com, and I have uh, for Hamrah Arts Club, I have an Instagram account. It's not very active. I don't have enough time to keep up with everything, but if you want to follow what we do with Hamrah Arts Club, you can find me on Instagram at Hamrah, which is H-A-M-R-A-H Arts Club. Thank you. Thank you for all the questions.
0: Absolutely. I really appreciate you taking the time, fully inspired, and I'm excited for this residency for you, and I can't wait to hear how it went, so please keep in touch. This has been Artist Stories, featuring the stories of artists and arts organizations in our region. To listen to more podcasts, visit kxci.org. Artist Stories is a project of the Arts Foundation for Tucson and Southern Arizona, which is partially funded by the City of Tucson and Pima County. Music for this podcast was created by Jonathan Rodriguez.